0: then joined ISKCON and began his service. His Holiness served Srila Prabhupada directly during the last 10 months of Srila Prabhupada's life as a correspondent and a personal secretary. After this meeting, Srila Prabhupada then requested His Holiness to translate all his books into Bengali. Maharaj completed this manuscript a few years later. Maharaj has been involved in spreading Sri Prabhupada's movement of Krishna consciousness. He loves talking to devotees. He is very well known for his welcoming and humble manner. He is one of the most erudite scholars of Srimad Bhagavatam and Vaishnavism. Let's welcome His Holiness Srila Bhakti Swami Maharaj with a
1: big hurry bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Father, please.
2: Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, how are you all doing? (laughs) Happy to see you, all of you. So this time I selected a topic for the seminar which is little what should I say? A little deep and may appear to be a little dry also. Like, in simple words I can say that this seminar is for those who are, who have accepted Krishna Consciousness wholeheartedly and who want that this movement, Krishna Consciousness movement, Should spread all over the world in every town and village. So, how many of you have accepted Krishna consciousness wholeheartedly? Oh, I'm impressed. (laughs) (laughs) I was a little doubtful like if you are not really so concerned about this movement then you may find this topic a little little irrelevant maybe to you. Anyway, I am very impressed that all the hands went up, even the children's hands went up. (laughs) Okay, so how many of you heard this statement by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that Krishna consciousness movement would spread all over the world In every town and village. And how many of you believe in that? Very nice. So, how many of you believe that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the Supreme Personality of Godhead? Very nice. (laughs) And how many of you believe that the words of the Supreme Personality of Godhead can never go in vain? Okay, so we all are uh, In this on the same page <laughs> So Yes There are four jugas Satya Yuga, Treta Yuga, Dwapar Yuga and Kali Yuga And for these four different jugas There are four different yuga dharmas. What is the yuga dharma of Satya Yuga? Who knows? What is the yuga dharma of Satya Yuga? Okay, I heard some whisper coming from Satya. (laughs) So, yes, meditation. The yuga dharma of Satya Yuga? Is meditation. The Yuga Dharma of Treta Yuga is how many of you know? (laughs) Okay, you tell me. Jagya, yeah, sacrifice. What is the Yuga Dharma for Dwapar Yuga? (laughs) Deity worship. Worshipping the Lord in the temple. And what is the Yuga Dharma of Kali Yuga? Very good, Sankirtan. And which Yuga are we in now? This is, we are in Kali Yuga. So the Yuga Dharma for this age is a congregational chanting of the holy name of the Lord. And in a broader sense the Yuga Dharma also implies that Total glorification, glorification of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Supreme Personality of Godhead's glory must spread all over the world, in every town and village. It is going to happen. It is going to happen. We, at least today, we cannot have any doubt that it will happen. Because the way the impossible has become possible is a clear indication that it is going to happen. And that impossible that became possible, the impossible that became a reality is what Śrīla Prabhupāda had done. Like, actually the way Śrīla Prabhupāda had done that That is a clear indication that that it is going to happen. Like there are so many factors that makes this achievement of Śrīla Prabhupāda so inconceivable. The first inconceivable factor is Śrīla Prabhupāda went to America at the age of 70. Krishna Consciousness movement is meant to spread all over the world, in every town and village. And in order order for that to happen, this Krishna Consciousness movement had to be taken out of India. It was there in India and in India it spread uh, quite effectively during Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's time. The whole of India was inundated with Krishna Consciousness. And then uh, there was a decline. Mahaprabhu's teachings, Sankirtan movement practically became lost in India. Then Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur revived it and spread it all over India. Prabhupada spiritual master. And he was very keen to take it out of India. And he actually instructed his disciples to do that, his competent, capable devotees, disciples. He asked them, you do that, take it out of India. And so, and with Prabhupada, during their first meeting, Srila Prabhupada told him to do that, That, he asked Srila Prabhupada, in 1922, when Prabhupada met him for the first time, he told him, take this move, Krishna Consciousness Movement. You are an educated young man. Uh-huh. So you take this message of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and spread it out of India, in the Western countries, through English language. And it's not that Śrīla, Śrīla Bhakti Siddhānda Śrāya Siddhartha could ask, Srila Prabhupada only, he asked all many of his disciples, those who had good command over English language, those who were educated, he asked them to preach to the West. He even sponsored some of his disciples, Sannasi disciples, to go to the West, go to England and preach. But unfortunately they didn't meet with so much success. And then Srila Prabhupada goes to America at the age of 70 and his mood was more or less like let me give it a try my Guru Maharaj asked me to do it but I didn't succeed in spite of my 44 years of endeavor I did not succeed so let me just give it a try at the very end of my life, at the fag end of my life. And he sponsored uh, the chairperson of the India Steamship Company, Sumati Moraji, to sponsor his passage to America. And Sumati Moraji tries to dissuade him. So, I mean, what will you do in America? Who will listen to you in America? In America you don't have anything to eat. The weather is so severe. But Prabhupada was adamant. No, please give me a chance. Just yes, my Guru Maharaj asked me to do it and let me at least give it a try for the sake of my spiritual master's instruction. And in this way, Srila uh, Prabhupada convinced her to give him a passage. Sumati Molar knew or rather was quite convinced that Srila Prabhupada would come back without being successful. Because her, she knew America, she went there many times and she knew what the Americans were like. She knew how impossible it would be to convince the Americans to take to Krishna consciousness. She herself was a Vaishnava from the Valdabha sampradaya Pushti She was a strict vegetarian. She knew when she went to America how difficult it was to maintain this vegetarian food habit. Like she, And she was a very wealthy person. She probably had her cooks go with her and uh, cook for her. But she knew for Prabhupada how he will face that situation. And she actually not only gave him the passage to go to America, she also gave him the, pe- the thing, that up- uh, the possibility that she could return, she could come back, en- rather he could come back anytime he wanted to come back. And she gave that instruction that time Swamiji wants to come back, just make arrangements for him. So in this situation Srila Prabhupada goes to America, 70 years old. No money, no money whatsoever no patronage in America. He didn't even know where he was going to stay. He did not have any any arrangement whatsoever in America. Like first of all he goes at the age of 70. He goes there in total uncertainty and then In ten years time, this Krishna consciousness movement spread all over the world. Many gurus went to America at that time, Mm -hmm. during that time, the mid-sixties. But no one actually met with the kind of success that Srila Prabhupada did. Like there were many people, I remember when I was in the West, one guy was quite popular. His name was Bal Jogi. Bal Jogi. He was very popular. And, but few years down the road, today people never even heard of him. Don't <laughs> nobody remembers him. Little bit of and there were many others, Chinmayananda, uh, Satchidananda, so many such people. They went. They had a little bit of success, no doubt. But no one came anywhere near Srila Prabhupada's success. In that also, in just ten years' time. He starts literally from the scratch, and in ten years' time, it sees the, an inconceivable success. So, <clears throat> And then the wonderful thing is that we notice that generally the spiritual leaders, many of them, they are quite successful or even if they are quite successful when they are alive, when they die, they just fade away. They fade away. They practice people completely forget. there are so many such people, I don't want to name them. Right? It's not even worth naming them. Like, because most of them, they just took advantage of the naivety of the West. And gained some popularity. They never, they never really delivered any spiritual substance. Whereas Srila Prabhupada's appeal, Uh, Śrīla Prabhupāda's attraction was mainly for what he was presenting and the guy who actually were interested by Śrīla Prabhupāda's teachings, the youth of America, the youth of America who rejected uh, the American culture of gross materialism and they were looking for a positive alternative. They were striving for a counter-culture and they found that in Prabhupada's teaching. Many of them were drug addicts. Th- those days, uh, youth of America were quite taken up uh, by uh, LSD. I don't even know what it stands for. Anyway, everybody knows LSD, <laughs> and it's a it's a chemical hallucinative, hallucinogenic drug. And any other drugs like it gives you a kick for the time being like like any intoxicant it takes you high but for how long you stay high like uh, with the alcoholics uh, the those who drink alcohol there is an expression hangover Uh, They drink at night, uh, they go to the top of the world and then next morning they get hangover. Terrible pain in the body, uh, the whole uh, uh, consciousness is completely blurred. So that is the natural consequence of taking drugs or intoxication. And they found The positive alternative of intoxication in Krishna consciousness, in chanting the holy name. And they came up with with a slogan, stay high forever. Chant Hare Krishna and stay high forever. Meaning, when you chant Hare Krishna, you go high and never come down. Whereas with other intoxicants, you go high and then you come down and coming down is very, very painful. So that's why he meant like Prabhupada was giving, giving the real substance and whoever took that, they saw that this is the thing. Everybody wants to go high. Everybody wants to experience that, that joy in the heart. And when they take it, in it by some artificial means, then it has its negative consequence. But that's not the case with Krishna consciousness. Krishna consciousness gives you that ecstatic feeling and it takes you higher and higher and higher. And not only it's a feeling of the heart, but it is an intellectual stimulation as well because it convinces you completely. Like whatever you are searching for, you find the real substance in Srila Prabhupada's teachings, which is actually the gift of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Like, for example, when I became interested in spiritual life, I used to think the goal of life is to attain liberation, And But when I started to read Śrīla Prabhupāda's books, then I saw that Prabhupāda is speaking about five kinds of mukti, which which nobody ever told me. Like I heard about mukti, liberation and so forth, but what liberation was, was not clearly defined. But practically from the first page of Nectar of Devotion, uh, came across, I became aware that there are five kinds of liberation. And out of them, four are positive and one is negative. And then I realized that the liberation I was aspiring for was a, liber- was a negative liberation. <laughs> so this is how uh, clearly Śrīla Prabhupāda presented everything. Uh, that it also stimulates our intellect, uh, with the proper wisdom, uh, everything becomes crystal clear uh, from Srila Prabhupada's teachings. Another thing that is so impressive, uh, like today we are practically living in a world of impersonalism. Even those who believe in God, what is their belief, what is the understanding of God? God is light or God is energy or God is something like that. Very few people, actually nobody in today's world, at least to me, gave me the understanding that God is a person. I met quite a few sadhus in India but practically none of them gave me me that clear understanding. But when I started to read Srila Prabhupada's books again, from the very beginning, the first few pages Prabhupada made it clear, God is a person. God is a person and He is Krishna. Everything became crystal clear. Who doesn't know about Krishna, at least in India? Everybody knows Krishna. But uh, there was no clear understanding who Krishna is. The understanding was, oh Krishna is another form that one imagines. Krishna is an incarnation of Vishnu and there are five kinds of worship, five murtis you meditate on for the the sake of convenience. Uh, This is the understanding that to, to meditate on Brahman, impersonal Brahman is difficult. To fix your mind on impersonal is difficult so you imagine a personal form, imagine a form. And when you make advancement then the form will disappear. <laughs> and <clears throat> there are huh, five kinds of forms that you can huh, imagine, meditate on. Uh-huh. One is Vishnu, one is Durga, one is Shiva, one is Surya and one is Ganesh. Uh-huh. They are known as Pancho Basha. So anyway, uh, so many misconceptions are floating, uh, at least in Indian spiritual scene. But in one stroke, Srila Prabhupada just uh, washed them away. And it's so relevant, actually, Prabhupada's prayer Nirvishesha Paschatta He removed the misconception of impersonalism and voidism from the Western world. And when it gets cleared in the West, then it will get cleared in India also. (laughs) Because uh, India looks up to the West, whatever the West does, India follows. So anyway, uh, the point that I was trying to make is that what Śrīla Prabhupāda achieved or the way Krishna made Śrīla Prabhupāda achieve things is so inconceivable that nobody can possibly have any doubt that the prediction of Śrī Chaitanya Mahāprabhu will become a reality. Like in 10 years time he spread this movement all over the world in, one, in such a way. Like goes there at the age of 70 uh, no money, no support. Didn't even know where he was going to stay in the West. Like these are such, uh, such impediments. But we can see how Srila Prabhupada overcame all those impediments and fulfilled the prediction of Sri Chaitanya. All over the world, Krishna consciousness movements play. It may not have spread all over the world, in every town and village, but the ground has already been made. Like, now it's a matter of time. Another thing is that very important consideration in this respect is creation of the institution of Iskama. Creation of Srila Prabhupada's institution. Actually this movement was started, revived I would say. Like if we look at the history then we'll see 500 years back Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came and within a very short time, again in about 10-12 years time, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu spread this movement all over India, all over India. He literally inundated India with Krishna, march, Krishna Pray. But then, gradually, after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's disappearance, this Krishna consciousness movement disappeared. There were all kinds of Sampradayas, uh, meaning all kinds of unscrupulous introduction to in the name of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings. Like he was so famous. Huh? That uh, people started to come and started to introduce their things in the name of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings. Like their Aul, Baul, Lara, Leri, there are uh, 14 upper Sampradayas. These Apa Sampradayas, uh, upper Sampradaya means uh, the the unscrupulous cults, pretending to be followers of Sri Chaitanya, but they are totally deviant. They're, they have nothing to do with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings. They are presenting their own things. <clears throat> In simple words, we can just give you an idea of what these upper sampradayas are like. In Krishna consciousness, when you join ISKCON, what do you have to do? You have to follow uh, some regulative principles, uh, four regulative principles no meat eating, no intoxication, no illicit sex, and no gambling. Because on these four pillars, Dharma is standing austerity, mercy, cleanliness, and truthfulness. Now, if some presentation that presents that, in the name of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, to indulge in these four activities, what would you think that to be? And that's what was going on. Not so much meat-eating but fish-eating, especially in Bengal. Fish it. Bengal, Assam, Khoristan, and And intoxication, not so, yeah, well, alcohol and ganja. <laughs> they were indulging in the name of. <laughs> even now, the big festival goes on in Bengal, and people just go there to smoke ganja and hashish. Then uh, illicit sex, are uh, kind of, another group, their thing is, anyway, like let's not get into that, and gambling, like they gamble. So this is how, this is what's going on, what was going on in the name of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings at that time. Now, what is the natural consequence? What is the result? No body in proper taste and education would even consider accepting Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching. Educated, intelligent class of sophisticated, cultured class of people didn't want to have anything to do with Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because they thought that this is the teachings of Sri Chaitanya. But then came Bhakti Vinod Thakur, a very very respected, respectable personality, extremely brilliant personality, very high-ranking government officer during the British period in India, British Raj. He was a deputy magistrate and Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur started to present Sri Chaitanya. Through his writings, mm-hmm. through his books mm-hmm. and <clears throat> that is the revival, that is how the revival actually took place. Then came Śrīla Bhakti Siddhānta Saraswati Thakur, an extremely qualified son of Śrīla Bhakti Vinod he actually came as his son, Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur, as a response to the prayer to Lord Jagannath. Bhakti Vinod Thakur used to pray to Lord Jagannath. He was the custodian of Jagannath Puri Temple at that time. It was under the government custody and Bhakti Vinod Thakur was the caretaker of the temple. So, he used to pray to Lord Jagannath that I am not able to spread the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Although I have revived it but I am not able to spread it because I am so busy myself. Also I am uh, stuck in the government service and I am getting old. Please send me a qualified assistant. And as a result of that prayer of Bhakti Vinod Thakur, Lord Jagannath sent Shila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur <clears throat> started to spread this mission. And mind you, before he embarked on this preaching mission, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarishwai Thakur was in total recluse, total, uh, uh, totally withdrawn from everything, just chanting the holy name for 10 years in my. Book. In 10 years he chanted one billion, he took a vow uh, of chanting one billion names. So anyway, so this is how he prepared himself and then he comes to Calcutta to start to preach. And what did he do? He inspired intelligent, educated class of people and with them he formed an institution. Because he saw the importance of an institution to continue the mission. As I was saying, like we see uh, that there are many charismatic personalities who come and they establish themselves very nicely. But then what happens? When they die, uh, their mission also disintegrates. Therefore to continue the mission there is a need for an institution. Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Sharshi Thakur could perceive that. So he decided, he, he created the Gauri And before leaving the planet he actually told his disciples to continue the mission collectively. He did not appoint any acharya, he did not even mention anything about who would continue giving initiation, who would become guru. He didn't pay any any importance to that. His only emphasis was to hold the institution together collectively. But unfortunately his leading disciples couldn't understand that the importance of a collective management to hold the institution together. And as a result of that, that the institution that was so flourishing at one time disintegrated. Most of his leading disciples were carrying on. All the sannhasis, they didn't fall down, most of them carried on. They were preaching, they were giving initiation, they had their temples, but that massive preaching mission came to a standstill. From that we can actually see the importance of an institution. The importance of an institution is essential, absolutely essential for the propagation of Krishna. And before uh, leaving this planet, Prabhupada told us very emphatically, very clearly, don't make the same mistakes that my Godbrothers made after Guru Maharaj's disappearance. Guru Maharaj suggested that they should maintain the institution collectively through the governing body, but they didn't do that. And as a result of that, And that's why we see when Prabhupada started to preach, one of the he goes to America in 1965, September. And in 1966, as Prabhupada got a little opportunity to preach, he establishes Iskon. The first thing he does, the moment the preaching started, the opportunity to preach started, immediately Prabhupada established Iskhan. And then Prabhupada made it very clear that we have to, in order to hold that institution together we need a collective concept of management. Prabhupada could foresee that if things were just based on his charisma then when he would leave the institution or the structure will become ineffective. Therefore, Prabhupada Created the GBC, and Prabhupada made himself as a member of the GBC. Not even the head of the GBC. Prabhupada was one member of the GBC with one vote. <laughs> Not even uh, he considered, you know, the, the veto power.
1: <laughs>
2: like uh, in this way, Prabhupada established his con, and he put, he trained up his GBC men. Who have. How Prabhupada selected the GBCs? Those who are the achievers, Prabhupada made them the GBCs. And then Prabhupada trained them. Like the GBCs used to become Prabhupada's personal secretaries. They would uh, be with Prabhupada and this is how Prabhupada trained them up for future. So in this way, (coughs) Srila Prabhupada created uh, this institution and prepared it to continue for the future. And that's why today we can see that about 39 years after Śrīla Prabhupāda's disappearance, 38 years after Śrīla Prabhupāda's disappearance, ISKCON is going strong. What to speak of ISKCON uh, falling apart we are seeing with the passing of time is becoming stronger and stronger. Do you feel that? Is it happening in Australia? Very good. So things are... There had been a lot of crisis, yes. And Prabhupada himself told us that after an Acharya le- leaves the planet, there is bound to be crisis. And those days, at least I used to think, when Prabhupada would speak like that, I used to think, well, that may have happened in the past, but this won't happen with Iskama. Of course, not that we ever thought that Prabhupada would leave the planet. But we never thought that there would be any crisis in Iskama. But after Prabhupada's disappearance, we started to notice one after another crisis you all probably don't know because you all joined the ISKCON quite late but in the early 80's we saw the amount of difficulties that we had to face so many crises. by 1986 it actually seemed that ISKCON is just going to fall apart but today we can see that Initially, the difficulties that we had faced, uh, simply due to the concept of collective management, ISKCON survived. And ISKCON is going stronger and stronger. Now, <clears throat> that's why we have to read first, that why I'm speaking about the institution so emphatically. Because it is absolutely essential that we hold the institution together to continue the preaching effectively in the future. Like a personality like Srila Prabhupada comes only once in a blue moon. And a personality like Srila Prabhupada only can create an institution like ISKCON. Like, I mean if you look at it, like, you know, if somebody thinks, well, <coughs> somebody will come and create a better institution than Iskon. Or an institution as effective at ISKCON, as Iskon as Iskhan. Now can it happen? Huh? Can it happen? I'll tell you why it cannot happen. First of all, the, a spiritual institution needs the spiritual foundation. And those foundations are the scriptures. And Srila Prabhupada actually created ISKCON on the foundation of those scriptures, they are his books. Prabhupada himself said, the books are the basis. The basis of our movement is Srila Prabhupada's books. And what are the principal literary scriptures for this propagation of Krishna consciousness? Or what are the principal scriptures today, Vedic scriptures today? Bhagavad Gita. Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam, chaitanya and Śrīla Prabhupāda translated all three. <laughs> so, so Śrīla Prabhupāda has secured huh, the movement on the basis of these three books. Now who is going to translate these books again? In order to establish the institution you need the scriptural foundation. So who is going to, what will be the foundation? The foundation has been monopolized by Srila Prabhupada. (laughs) So, that's one thing. Okay. Then, Srila Prabhupada was the first one to go to America, go out of India and establish the institution. So, that way also, uh, Srila Prabhupada holds a very special right. If anybody goes and starts something, uh, he won't be able to actually Uh, compete with Śrīla Prabhupāda or uh, supersede Śrīla Prabhupāda. And the way Śrīla Prabhupāda established Krishna Consciousness movement already all over the world, who can even do that? ISKCON is already there. And as I said like, uh, if it's a possibility, if ISKCON falls apart, then the thing is that nobody else can create another institution like this. And on top of everything, 37 years after Śrīla Prabhupāda's disappearance from the planet, the society did not disintegrate. Rather the society, society is becoming stronger and stronger. So that is another, like what was the worst period? Just consider a uh, small little seedling is just growing. What is the most difficult period for that seedling to grow? Uh, a small plant to grow. The early stage, once it has gone through the uh, initial stage when it needs the fencing, then it doesn't need any fencing. Now this tree can stand on its own. So that is what has happened to Islam. The worst phase uh, we have been able to uh, go by and now uh, it is a growing stage and with the passing of time we will see uh, it is growing more and more and more. Like yesterday I was talking to Devamrita Maharaj about the future of our movement and both of us came to the conclusion that although we are not really working so hard on our succession, that means who will become future GBCs, we are working on it but not that effectively. But we can rest assured that the future of this movement is safe. Why? Because the kind of people that are joining the movement, they are going to carry this movement forward. Like so many qualified devotees, in this room even, so many qualified individuals like yourselves are there. And you have been convinced about this movement and you all are going to carry on. And that is a sign of the conviction. Today many of you may be uh, working, today many of you may be running your business, today many of you may be studying. But if that when the challenge will come, uh, whether to commit ourselves to push this movement forward or maintain our uh, household life and so forth. I know many of you will opt for I'm already seeing it. So many of you are here. you say well uh, I'm just Preparing myself uh, to secure my family situation and become fully involved in Krishna consciousness And when you have that spirit in the hearts of so many qualified individuals, I'm convinced that the movement is safe It is safe, it's going to go on And Śrīla Prabhupāda has given us everything. Śrīla Prabhupāda has given us his books now, which is the very foundation of this movement, his books. He has given us the temples, he has given us the devotees. And on top of everything Prabhupada has given us a dream, a goal to achieve. So, we have everything, Srila uh, Prabhupada has given us everything, now it's a matter of accepting it wholeheartedly and pushing it forward. But again, in order to successfully achieve that, we need an institution. Like in comparison to Gauriyamat, as we noticed, like as I was saying, in Goryamot hardly any sannasi had spiritual difficulty. No one, practically one or two only fell down. I don't even know two, I know only one fell down. Others just carried on. They didn't fall down. They are preaching. They are edudite. Very, very scholarly. Very learned, Excellent preachers. They are giving initiation, making many disciples. They have their temples. But huh, the worldwide preaching or even India-wide preaching is not really that significant. On the other hand you look at ISKCON, I mean, I mean so many san have fallen down. So many leaders of this movement have left the movement. Uh, So many uh, difficulties have uh, hit us so badly. But when you look at the preaching, what is happening? Preaching is going on, preaching is enhancing. Is it true? I mean, or am I, is my vision little, uh, little uh, emotionally stained uh, that I am seeing this? Is it true? Yes. ISKCON is growing? Yes.
1: Huh?
2: Why Iscon is growing? We have so many difficulties, so many leaders have difficulties, so many leaders have left. Like one very unfortunate thing to think of even. Prabhupada had about 10,000 disciples. 6,000 initiated and about 4,000 following him more. So during Prabhupada's time there were 10,000 followers Sri Prabhupada had. Like where are all those followers today? How many Prabhupada's disciples are in this con? So this is how we can see what a massive uh, difficulty our movement has gone through. But preaching is going on. Spread, Krishna consciousness movement is spreading all over the world like why is it happening? Why? Because of the institution. Whatever difficulty may have been there the institution remained unaffected and the institution had been able to overcome that difficulty and that's why the movement is spreading. So this is how we see the importance of the institution. And if the institution remains intact, the institution of ISKCON remains intact, then Krishna consciousness movement will be spreading most effectively all over the world. So now the consideration is how to hold the institution together. As I mentioned, one very important factor about holding the institution together is the concept of collective management that Śrīla Prabhupāda gave. That is the concept of management through the governing body commission. Prabhupāda himself created that governing body and it is through the governing body the institution is being managed. So, to hold the institution together, this concept of collective management is essential. But there is another factor which is even more important or equally important. And what is that? The head of the institution. The head of the institution and that concept Śrīla Prabhupāda himself, these two concepts Śrīla Prabhupāda himself gave. Uh, One is collective management through the GBC and his position as the head of the institution as the founder Acharya. Śrīla Prabhupāda is the founder Acharya of Iskara for all time. He is the founder, no doubt about that. He founded it is ISKCON. He founded ISKCON. So he is the founder. There is no doubt. Nobody will ever contest. But what we really need to understand is that Srila Prabhupada is the Acharya of ISKCON. He is the Acharya of ISKCON. He is the spiritual head of ISKCON. So that is what the, we in the GBC have been very, very seriously considering this importance and establishing Srila Prabhupada properly in that role. In 2006, in a midterm GBC meeting, that was the first time we had a midterm GBC meeting. Prior to that, the GBCs used to meet only once a year during the Punima festival time in Mayapur. But this time we had a midterm meeting to consider because we noticed that during the GBC meeting we, we deal only with the problems and the resolutions and so forth. But we thought that let us meet to consider What are the needs of the movement? What do we need to do to push this movement forward? And so that's why in that midterm meeting, we actually formed different, you can say, GBC subgroups. And they they were given the choice, uh, which ones, one would like to get involved in. Uh, there were uh, different groups like uh, devotee care, congregational preaching and uh, so forth. And one such consideration was Śrīla Prabhupāda's position as the founder acharya. Śrīla Prabhupāda, the founder of ācārya Like we all know, that Śrīla Prabhupāda is the founder of Acharya Prabhupāda himself very emphatically established himself as the founder of this But what we need to consider what it means and how to really establish, how to really situate Śrīla Prabhupāda in that role. And so this subcommittee had been meeting since then, since 2007 onwards, and uh, we had been uh, thinking of various. We used to have very extensive meetings and so forth. And then about four years back, uh, uh, Ravindra Prabhu. Uh, Prabhu is one of our godbrothers. He is a GBC emeritus now. <coughs> Last year he retired from the GBC body. He's an exceptionally brilliant person. He's a student of philosophy. I mean, he did his PhD in philosophy and religion from the Penn University of Pennsylvania, one of the most prestigious universities in America. And so he came up with the points and he presented it to us. And uh, it was actually uh, the culmination or essence of all the discussions that we had been having. We wanted him to sum it up. And uh, so he did that. He presented it in about four or five pages. and, And when he read it out to us, our reaction to that was, now you elaborate it. You have given the sutra, now you give the bhashya, you give uh, the essence, uh, essential understanding, but now you elaborate it and explain it for everyone to properly understand it. And he, as a scholar, he actually did an extensive research and he took three years. We used to actually get quite frustrated with him year after year. Where's the book? Where's the book? But he was taking his And Finally last year we came up with this book. Śrīla Prabhupāda, the founder Acharya of ISKCON. It's about 120 pages and at the end of the thing I'll give you all the book and I didn't give, the, the, yesterday somebody asked me whether we should give you the book before the seminar or after the seminar and I decided to give it after the seminar because if you have the book then you will the, tend to read the books but I wanted your undivided attention. So that's why (laughs) like and you'll have all the time I what I'm trying to do is through this presentation is to make you basically understand what it is all about and create the interest in you to read the book properly. So and this book is very important because because we see you all are the future of this I don't know what you may think about yourself. But we think that our future lies in your commitment and your conviction and your endeavor. If you believe in it, you take it and spread it. Establish it properly. Just as Srila Prabhupada did, they see what one person had done. Srila Prabhupada, just one person, uh, spread Krishna consciousness all over the world. He had done it so effectively. Just one person. And today, you can see, uh, we have billions uh, of followers of Srila. So when this uh, collective energy is more directed in achieving this goal, what an amazing thing we can achieve. So <clears throat> that is the basic consideration. Mm-hmm. And about this book, like through this research, Rabindu Prabhu. I won't go to the points of the books now. In the afternoon session, I'll go through those points that came up in the book. And today, I want to open it, uh, after a short while, uh, to questions. And I'm, I noticed that in sessions like this, uh, many of you will have many relevant questions. And from that questions, answers probably we will be able to churn the essence of this topic even more effectively. And so let us uh, consider, let us become convinced first of all that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has given the perfect process for spiritual advancement in this age. Today, in the age of Kali, due to the influence of the age of Kali, the world has become extremely degraded. The world has become very, very fallen. People are very sinful in this age. It's a natural phenomenon. The age of Kali is the age of Adharma. Age of Kali is an ocean of sinful activity. But this age of Kali has one great advantage that is just by chanting the holy name of the Lord one can very easily achieve spiritual success. In one hand it's extremely degraded but at the same time it has the possibility of elevating to the highest platform very very easily because the mercy of the Lord has come down in this age. Like you can see like every, uh, every day the world situation is becoming so critical. Like just consider the world before 9-11. World was so different. Like everything was so smooth, everything was so prosperous, everything was so uh, bright and convenient. But since 9-11, the world has changed drastically. Especially when I travel so extensively, I notice it. And then you consider one after another how things have changed in just a few years' time. And terrorism today has become the worst problem of this world and they're becoming more and more powerful. They're gaining more and more ground. They're gaining more and more popularity. Now the terrorism today has come into uh, a terrorizing... Terrorists are having their own kingdom. ISIS is They are now establishing their kingdom and mind you, it's just the beginning. It'll keep on increasing. Terrorism is going to be the worst problem of this world today. Like previously, the wars used to take place between two nations, between different nations. The the soldiers wearing uniform used to fight. You could identify who is who from the uniform. There was a specific area that the battle used to take place. But today, what's going to happen? Today, what's happening? Or to, tomorrow, what will happen? Those enemies don't. They don't wear any uniform. They don't have any geographical boundary, they can be your next door neighbor. So you cannot imagine how critical the world situation is going to become. And on top of everything they have this, you know, this weapons of destruction, mass destruction. The weapons of mass destruction, one person can cause so much damage. Practically one person can blow up one whole city or not even one person, he doesn't even have to be there. One bomb can destroy one whole city. I mean we cannot even imagine what's going to happen tomorrow. The world situation is becoming so critical and mind you no government, no army, no arrangement will be able to deal with that today they may be trying to deal with that but we can see that they are not able to deal with that and who knows how critical is going to become in the near future so at a time like that what is going to be our Where are we going to seek our refuge? Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu His sankirtan movement, Krishna Consciousness movement This is ultimately the world will see that this is the only solution Uh, One after another you will see the leaders will come with so much promises uh, But eventually you will see they all failed. I remember in India when BJP came to power uh, there was so much hope, oh now India will change. Now Narendra Modi has come to power everybody is so hopeful. Uh, I don't want to disappoint you. (laughs) (laughs) But you know like probably we will see that he also is going to because nobody will be able to solve the problem through materialistic means. That's the simple consideration. The only solution to today's problem is Krishna consciousness. The only pro- solution to this problem uh, worldwide is Sankita movement. And what this movement is going to teach us or what this movement is teaching us. Srila uh, Prabhupada actually taught us, through his beautiful example, there was a threat in Calcutta that the Japanese are going to bomb Calcutta. Uh, Japanese were going to bomb Calcutta because Calcutta was the big base of the British army. Uh, so, to cripple that, you know, they were still going to bomb Calcutta. And naturally, everyone was evacuating Calcutta. Everyone was leaving Calcutta city. One of Prabhupada's godbrothers was staying with Srila Prabhupada at that time. So he was planning now to go to Navadip, And he asked Srila Prabhupada whether he was going to go. Prabhupada said no. He is not going to go. Then he asked, what are you going to do? He said, I'll go and chant Harinam on the street. And Prabhupada did that. He took one or two of his people to follow with him. They went out and started doing Harinam. And Prabhupada's point was that chanting the Harinam, Krishna may avoid that critical situation. Or if I die, if the bomb falls and if I die chanting the holy name, I'll go back to Godhead. So what's the loss? Either the situation will be rectified by the grace of the holy name or if I die chanting the holy name, then I'll achieve my spiritual perfection. So that is what Krishna consciousness movement is offering us. At the worst crisis, Let's not, uh, rather let's be practical, let's not try to uh, 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 avoid the reality, let's face it. In Kali Juga, the situation may become extremely difficult, but what should we do? Naturally we hope that difficulties will not come, naturally we hope the world situation will be very peaceful and very prosperous, yes we all want that. But if the crisis takes place, if difficulties come, then what are we going to do? That is what we have to be convinced about. We have to be convinced about it ourselves and we have to convince others about it as well. That this is the only solution. Thank you all very much. So as I said, I like will invite questions. You can either ask the question verbally or you can write it down also. Probably it will be better if you write down. Okay. Let's see who has some questions. Yes. Take
0: Mr. Alex. take the mic. So at the very beginning, we were talking about how that uh, uh, he was very worried that he said that if I be He said that that he was more concerned about how they spread the movement, not a initiations, and all of that stuff. So I was wondering that, uh, I had a few questions based on that. So how did 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 his disciples know how to carry on the process of initiations and specifications, how to give some justice.
2: Yeah. Well, what actually he probably meant is to hold the institution together and then rest will automatically happen. You know, like collectively you decide how initiation will take place. Collectively you decide when new people come and join the movement, how to guide them. So that, that is what he meant. That. You know, if you, if the, inst- like in ISKCON we are seeing, the institution is held together and the rest is going on automatically, collectively, the devotees are deciding what is best for the movement and they're carrying on in that way. So,
0: are there specifications for the qualifications for initiation written in the scriptures or is there other uh, no
2: qualification naturally has to be there.
1: Mm.
2: Qualification naturally, like for example, to be a teacher, mm. you have to have certain qualification, otherwise how will you teach? Mm. And <clears throat> the spiritual I mean not only the gurus, like everybody in spiritual platform, you know has to be exemplary. Mm. Like anybody who is in a leading position, like, you could just consider a temple president, doesn't he have to be huh, exemplary? And if he doesn't come up to the standard, then can he remain as a temple president? No. Same thing applies with the departmental head in a temple. He is in a responsible position as the head of one department. If he has spiritual difficulties, then is he kept in that position or he is removed? So that's why this spiritual qualification, that standard that has been given is absolutely essential to maintain. Now what to speak of a spiritual master? Yes. Thank
1: you,
2: <coughs> yes. <laughs> Thank
0: you so much. Um, At the start of the talk, you were talking about how uh, Sri Prabhupada at that age, when with the of determination, um, I was just wondering, how can we imbibe that same determination because we try our best to push forward the movement. But again, profile is an exemplary personality. We can, um, try to initiate the same determination, but how can we imbibe the same mood?
2: Very good, very good question. Yeah, You see, I will say that there is little difference between those days, proper situation, and our situation. Like, you see, initially when Goryamata was carrying on nicely, Prabhupada never really thought of taking any leading role. He said he was happy just helping them, you know. But when the mission stopped, then Prabhupada saw something has to be done. Especially after going to the West. Initially when the opportunity came to spread Krishna consciousness there, Prabhupada invited his godbrothers, come. The opportunities are there to preach and we can all fulfill the dream of our Guru Maharaj. Only when they did not respond, Srila Prabhupada decided to form ISKCON. Otherwise Prabhupada would have been happy functioning as a part of uh, that institution of his Guru Maharaj. So, you know, like Prabhupada had to, when the institution disintegrated, Prabhupada had to take up the responsibility to push it himself practically alone. And that naturally needed a lot of determination, a lot of conviction. Whereas our situation is different, Prabhupada has already created the successful institution. And we are happy just being a part, right? Even though we, we, have, we don't have the similar degree of determination, but you know, like with whatever little we can do, you know, like it is being effective and the movement is spreading. Like when there are so many devotees, little contribution, little endeavor from all the devotees collectively is amounting into a huge, massive effect. See? and but at the same time I will say to cultivate the determination is desirable and <clears throat> like uh, and it's happening happening like many young boys and girls are coming forward and youth is actually the hope. Things happen with the passion and determination and conviction of the youth. Elderly ones can guide, but youth make it happen. So now that you all are coming forward, we are very hopeful.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, just another question. Uh, you mentioned working collectively to push the forward, but sometimes, at least for me, um, you see a lot of exemplary devotees doing a lot of great, wonderful things. Sometimes uh, we get, or at least I get into the mood that um, Oh, these devotees are really great. You know, maybe I can relax a little too because they're doing that job. Um, how can we get out of that lazy mood and actually push forward with, again, enthusiasm? Terms? Yeah.
2: Well... <laughs> The immediate response that I would like to give is don't become complacent but be competitive. If he has done that much you try to do even better or bigger. There's no harm in developing the spirit. Prabhupada was cultivating that spirit among his disciples during his time and those days actually they were achieving a lot from that competitive mode. Like they had different areas, they had different zones and they, the GBCs of different zones used to compete in book distribution. Oh, I'm, America is doing so big, Europe will have, we have to show it uh, from Europe. Uh, oh, Europe is doing so big, India has to do even better. Like this spirit, you know, was very, uh, very prevalent at that time and that was very effective also in spreading Krishna consciousness. So don't become lazy uh, but be be, try to achieve and ultimately you know those days they had their thing they all wanted to please Srila Prabhupada just a little recognition from Prabhupada they would go and do anything. and we have to create that kind of atmosphere in Iskcon, you know, that achievements are properly rewarded and recognized. And at, at least individually we can consider that after Krishna is saying, Krishna is seeing everything, Prabhupada is seeing everything. Whether I get any recognition here doesn't matter. He knows. And he will recognize, he will recognize. Thank you. Yes, Damodar.
1: You, um, you mentioned the importance of working collectively. And <coughs> you also cited how many instances of challenges there have been to the society, whether that's a growth central form by a devotee, or even to sometimes we might see a management practice, or something that doesn't feel uh, that it's at the standard. So how can we balance Maintaining respect, not becoming offensive, and at the same time working constructively towards change, where, where, where's the line there where we might slip into offensive mentality or uh, we, we actually should be seeing or detecting faults in the spirit of fitting?
2: Good, very good point. Yeah, well when situations like that arise like uh, say for example the management is not exemplary leaders are not exemplary you know it is a crisis Mm -hmm. so but it's undesirable but you know like any crisis so how to overcome it the only way the best way to overcome it is by carrying on just carrying on let me just do whatever I can after all Krishna is watching, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is watching and it is his movement. He will rectify everything, I don't want to worry about it, let me do whatever I can do. And the ideal situation will be the leaders are follower, leaders are exemplary, followers are exemplary, everyone is exemplary, exemplary in the sense they are performing in a perfect way. and, And that situation will come. Some difficulties we are facing now because you know, like, I mean, see, our movement is going through a crisis. So, you know, so many devotees have left the movement. Like, just imagine, you have seen yourself, like in the West, I mean, so many Westerners, our temples those days used to be packed with, say, UK was packed with British devotees. Australia, temples are filled with Australian devotees. But unfortunately, you know, they are not there. And, you know, the real growth will take place when local people get involved. Fortunately, Indians are here and they are giving the support. It is a cri- They are actually saving that crisis, saving the movement from that crisis situation. The Indians are coming forward and carrying on, but the real success of this movement will be in the local involvement. That's why it's an international society for Krishna consciousness. So, when there are difficulties, we should not become disappointed. We should not lose heart. We should just carry on, carry. Yes, Baris Reshta.
1: Yeah, it's it's it's
2: regarding the uh, the, the age of Kali, and the greatest
1: weapon of Kali is basically coral. And I remember one of the lectures in which he said, you know, Shilapropan said that no one can destroy this one from outside, but it can happen from this. So basically, I think what he's referring to was the coral
2: part of it. So how can we actually uh, take this into consideration. Like how can we reduce that? How can we increase the cooperation? Basically, the cooperation. <coughs> yeah. Well, at least I can say that we can rejoice now that that possibility of ISKCON being destroyed from inside is not there anymore.
1: <laughs>
2: like because ISKCON internally has become very strong. Uh, like devotees are, uh, and external attacks. What it does. It, it enhances our resolution. It makes us more determined when there is an attack from outside. So when the external situation becomes critical internally we will become more strong. So that is how it will work. And as I was saying, like, you know, internally the possibilities of difficulties are, or possibilities of crisis is there, you know, damage is there. But, you know, worst phase has been overcome in a way. I mean that's my personal observation, like (coughs) devotees are becoming more and more (laughs) concerned about the welfare of the movement. Another thing is, you see, one thing you'll notice, most of the devotees in ISKCON are actually sincere souls. By coming in contact with Srila Prabhupada's teachings, we at least become aware of the futility of material achievements and the importance of spiritual development. Like when we know that someday we all are going to die, then why try to establish ourselves here? Rather, let's just try to help this movement irrespective of the degree of sacrifice that we have to make. Let's be prepared to sacrifice everything for Krishna's sake, for the spread, for the sake of spreading Krishna consciousness all over the world. And greater the conviction, greater will be the dimension of one's sacrifice. And I'm seeing individuals giving up, very coveted jobs, to be fully involved in Krishna Consciousness. So the movement needs support and that support will come from its members. Any other question? Hare Krishna Maharaj,
1: thank you for asking yeah. us. May mm. I have mentioned the importance of Harinam Sultry, which is a solution
0: of all our problem. Mm. So sometimes we go to Harinam, people ask me, where do we
1: need time to be here? So is it appropriate if they make a compulsory in every centre, at least one hour to go for Harinam Sultry in the industry? So there are millions of... Mm-hmm.
2: Well, personally I have seen, you know, making rules like that doesn't really work often. <laughs> it is better to make people aware of the importance. And another thing I can tell you, we can rest assured, we can rest assured, that today these devotees may not be going out in Harina. hurry now. But when the real crisis comes, and if they're convinced that this is the only solution, then they'll go out and do it. And we have, and the main thing is that, you know, like we have to have that faith that Krishna will take care. Now Krishna took care of Prahlad Maharaj. Mm-hmm. Krishna took care of Arjuna. Krishna took care of Draupadi. So if I surrender to Krishna, then Krishna will take care of me. That fate we have to have. And how Krishna takes care is beyond us. Can the child imagine how the father is going to take care of him? No, it's beyond him. But he is happy just depending upon the father. My father is here, I don't have to worry about anything. And when I have a father like Krishna, who is the supreme personality of Godhead, why should you worry? Uh, he is omnipotent, he is omniscient, he is omnipresent.
1: Uh-huh.
2: So that faith we have to enrich ourselves with. Yes, yes, still.
0: loyalty to Shir Papa but everyone everyone part of Islam has but what distinguishes
2: one um being a leading position and ancient and furthermore if we know of suitable people how to encourage them into Well <coughs> you know for anything qualification is the most important criteria isn't it like you know if if you ask you know who can become a doctor or who can treat patients I mean the first consideration is that he has to be a doctor like he has to be not qualification wise in that way degree wise but he must know how to treat a patient similarly in order to manage one has to know how to manage And then comes other considerations, you know, his commitment, his loyalty. So, you know, like these are the factors, these are the considerations. And in Krishna consciousness, generally the appointments come from top. That's why Krishna consciousness is opposed to democracy. In democracy the appointment comes from the bottom. (laughs) But in the real structure of society, the appointments come from top, right? And it is the top or the leader, you know, will consider who is capable for which position. And then he will get engaged in that. And then we see, like, not that everybody in management will perform equally effectively. then when one gets the position then comes one's own ability and talent. Like for example you know like so during the Second World War America had so many generals but there was only one pattern, general pattern. I mean in his own right he became Because he was such a capable general, The capabilities come out like that. So the position is given and then one's ability becomes the most effective criteria. And in sometimes, you know, one will shine forth in his own right. For example, Napoleon. In the army he was only a corporal to begin with, very low-ranking individual. But with his own brilliance, you know, he came up to what he was. Similarly we will find, you know, different individuals with their own ability, great commitment and conviction, they will shine forth. In their respective roles.
0: When it comes to preaching, what should be the?
1: Can you elaborate? What should be the minimum requirement for that?
2: Minimum requirement for preaching.
1: <laughs> you
0: also mentioned what um, this is that Maharaj has uh, spent like 10 years to before. I
1: Actually, have probably spent a lot of time get ready for the transition. And um, how many people like us uh, are uh, like me? So, what should be the qualification? Like, suppose, and some people say, if you are um, sincere, um, some people say it's different, different ideas. So, mm-hmm. can you please? Um, yeah
2: well our situation and Śrīla bhakti siddhanta shirish situation and proper situation are different our situation is different from theirs you see they are like our father and grandfather you know who actually created a dynasty right and we are enjoying their kingdom as the princes <laughs> So, that is our role. We don't really have to worry about that. They have given us everything. We simply have to fit into the family, right? And as far as the qualification is concerned, I mean, what I understood from Śrīla Prabhupāda is that the only qualification you need to preach is to understand that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and you are His eternal servant. So, if you just know this much, Krishna is God and everybody is his servant, you can go out and preach. Mm -hmm. And in this respect, I just remember one incident. (coughs) Prabhupada's secretary at that time was Shamshundra Prabhu and Mother Malati was his wife and they had a daughter, Saraswati. So, they were in India and one very important person came to see Srila Prabhupada. I think he was a minister or something. And while he was waiting to see Śrīla Prabhupāda, Saraswati, about six, seven years old girl, was talking to him. So she asked, do you know Krishna? So he kind of half jokingly said, jokingly said, no, I don't know Krishna. He said, oh, you don't know Krishna? Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And Prabhupāda said, that is preaching. You know, a six-year-old girl can tell a minister, you don't know Krishna? Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So Prabhupada did not really, you know, encourage that kind of attitude that first I have to become a learned scholar and then I'll go out and preach. No. Whatever you know, whatever you have understood, you go and tell that to people. And that will work. Okay okay so i'll take one more question anyone for the last question for this session
1: okay